This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, good evening, uh, Christian Family Church. Good things happening here at church, right? Church News got good things going on, and we're in the series of the Beatitudes. That's exciting as well. How many of you excited about the Beatitudes? Good to have a good attitude about the Beatitudes. Anyhow, I just wanted to say, if you don't feel like you're connected and you'd like to have us contact you and um, allow us to give you your next steps, then, you know, we live in this digital age, but we don't really understand sometimes that people just want to maybe speak to someone in person and, and have contact with a human being and chat to a friendly face. And so here at Christian Family Church, we have plenty of pastors and and leaders who'd love to meet with you. And our heart is to walk this walk of faith together with you, this journey of faith that you're on. And we want to disciple you here at Christian Family Church. So if that's you, then please send an email to info at cfcsa.co.za, or you can text the word CONNECT to 4991, and then we will come and, or we, at least we will contact you, and we're also inviting you to come and meet us in the Connection Center, just out here in the mall. How many of you know where the Connection Center is? Just out here. So come and meet us over there and have a face-to-face uh, uh, chat with one of us, and uh, we'll be so happy just to disciple you and walk this walk together with you. We look forward to your journey in the walk of faith. Amen. How many of you know this is a journey, right? And we shouldn't be doing it alone. Well, tonight it really is uh, my privilege and honor to be here, and I thank Apostle Theo and and Pastor Bev for the opportunity that I have to break bread. That's what we're doing here tonight. We're breaking bread, we're we're looking at the Word of God, and you know, we come to church to know God. This is one of the ways that we get to know Him, not just in our worship, but also the Word, and God wants you to be encouraged tonight, so I'm really uh, chuffed to be here with you tonight. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this evening in the name of Jesus. Thank you, dear Lord, for every person that is here and those that are perhaps on the other side of the screen, Father, that are watching and expecting to hear from you tonight, expecting to be encouraged and to learn something new about you. And as we continue on with these Beatitudes, this very important message that Jesus taught on the mount, thank you for speaking to the hearts of all of those that we hear this would hear this word. Those that are dealing with real issues, Father. Thank you that tonight they will be comforted and reminded that you are always there to deliver. So I give you all the praise. Thank you, Spirit of God, for making the change, speaking to the hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a nine-part series because we're dealing with each one of the Beatitudes. And Pastor Greg started so brilliantly last week when he spoke about the first one. And and the Beatitudes are a prelude to the greatest sermon that was ever preached by Jesus. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And And he really turns things upside down with the way that he speaks and speaks to the heart in a way that You know, people really were challenged by what it is that he said, and that's his whole sermon. And even now, the world are trying their best to fix 
the state of humanity. How many of you know we're in, a, we're in a pretty bad way as far as humanity is concerned and we see all the things that are going on and, and yes, there are some solutions. There are solutions waiting to be voiced and, and carried out but here's the thing, only God can change the heart. How many of you know that? Only God can change the heart and, and I believe just as Apostle Theo said when he was here recently that we need revival. And revival begins where? It begins here in the house of God. It has to start with us. And I believe that, that God's plan, the way that he works is through a group of people called the church. And I don't mean the church as in CFC. I mean the church as in the collective body of Christ. He works inside of us. Just like Jesus. Think about this. He came, but he didn't just teach the principles. He embodied them. He lived them out. And that's what uh, the people were so drawn to him. They were as much drawn to his personality as what they were drawn to the principles that he was teaching. They saw how he was changed and he was different and the things that he did was different. His nature was different. And that's what drew us to Jesus was his, the way that he was and that's the hope that God has for us all. His church is to change us into the likeness of who? Of Jesus. Think about what it says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It actually ends saying that we become, listen, we become more and more like Jesus. It's like these grades that we grow in with ever increasing glory, the Bible says, or from glory to glory. There's an increase in how we grow in Jesus. And that's what this series is about. It's for us to become more and more like Jesus so that we can begin to embody the principles so that we can express his loving kindness to the world. John Maxwell says that his favorite line to tell people who are far from God or folks that, that don't even want to know anything about God. He says his favorite line is to say, I know that you're going through things that are difficult. I just wish you had my joy. I wish you had my peace. Because I have a joy and a peace, but I can't describe it. And then people invariably, he says, people would say to him, well, how do we get your joy? And they step right into that space and, and give him the opportunity then to begin to evangelize. And he's an excellent one-on-one -on -one evangelist. It's quite powerful, isn't it? And I think that's the hope of the church, that God is beginning to do a work inside of us. So tonight, I encourage you, open your heart to God's word. Allow him to cause you to become more and more like Jesus so that you too can tell people, I wish you had my joy. I wish you had my peace. But let me begin just to remind us about two observations that we can make from these nine Beatitudes, which Pastor Greg also spoke about last week. The first thing is that they all start with the word blessed. And that word blessed is translated by many of the, the biblical translations as the word happy. And Pastor Greg went a bit more into depth in the Greek, but if we think about the translation of the word happy, that might not have been the best Idea, Because so often we think of, of the word happy in the secular sense. As in to say, I'm happy when I'm happy, and I'm not happy when I'm not happy. But that's not the kind of happiness that the Bible is referring to. This is like a biblical happiness, which means that regardless of the circumstances that we face, I have this deep 
abiding joy inside. So here's the key. You can find happiness in the most unusual places. That's what God says. You can find it in the most unusual places. The second thing is that all these Beatitudes, they say, for theirs is, all of them have this phrase, for theirs is, or it says, they shall have. It's a promise to, uh, to the children of God. And what is Jesus saying when he was teaching this, when he said those words, there shall be, they shall have. He's saying, I know you have salvation, but there's more than that. There's more for you as a child of God than just the hope of reaching heaven one day. So this should excite you because it means that there's another level of God that we get to discover, that we can be happy even when we're sad. So last week we looked at blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall inherit the kingdom. And tonight we go on to the second beatitude which is found, you can read with me, in Matthew chapter 5 verses 4. And this is what it says. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Are you telling me that happy are the sad? It seems a little contradictory, doesn't it? It seems a little backwards, a little upside down. Maybe it would make sense if we lived in opposite world. But you're saying that I can be happy when I'm sad? That's crazy. What do you think of that? God shows up in the most unique ways to people who are going through bad days. How many of you have been through a bad day before I asked that question this morning or a bad week or a bad month? But God shows up in the most unusual ways. And there's a part of God that you may never have experienced that, you, that it's really there and it's really life-changing. And I have no explanation how God manages to move in the middle of a bad day or in the middle of a terrible situation. And for some people, they'll never get there. They're still going to heaven. They're still a Christian, but they've never leaned into the comfort of God in the middle of a bad day. We could say that the second beatitude could actually be written this way around. There is happiness even in difficult days because we will experience the provision the purpose and the presence of God. Even in your most difficult day, there can be happiness because we will experience the provision, the purpose, and the presence of God. Now you can tell by the nature of this subject that it's a pretty, this topic at least, it's a pretty serious topic, right? And, and indeed it is. And there's a lot of this message that is very serious. And there's nothing pleasant about mourning. But I'm also known to be not a very serious guy, so allow me just to share a story with you so that I can live up to that expectation or that reputation concerning someone who had a really bad day. And so in 1972 in America, they, there was an article posted in a newspaper about a guy who really, this happened to him. He was working on his motorcycle one afternoon and the bike kicked into gear and he shot through the patio, the sliding door into the lounge crashed the bike, he got pretty badly injured, his blood all over, huge commotion, his wife hearing this, comes running into the lounge and sees what's going on, she calls emergency services. Their house was uh, built on a slope, so when they got there, they went all the way upstairs to, to the husband, took him, took him to the emergency room. 
The wife, she stayed back home and she decided, well, she's going to just try and tidy up as best she could. And she took his bike and uh, uprighted his bike and, and there was some petrol and oil and things like that all over the show. So she took some paper towels and tried to dry it up as best she could and she chucked them in the loo. Later that day, he was discharged from the ER, bandaged up and so on. He got home and when he looked at the, the mess and the, the shattered glass and everything, he was in a, you know, he thought, no, this is not good. So he went to his man cave. Do you know where the man cave is? To the loo, right? And um, he went and sat on the loo and he lit a cigarette and he smoked that and thought about all the things that had happened. And when he was done with the cigarette, he flicked it in between his legs and kaboom, a second explosion. And the wife heard the noise and she came running into the, into the bathroom and there he was all uh, blown up. And his pants, the article says his pants were blown completely away and there were other parts of his body that I don't necessarily want to mention here that were also pretty badly damaged. And so she rushed to call the emergency services and they dispatched the same team. They came and got the husband and as they were going down the stairs... True story. As they were going down the stairs, they asked the wife, listen, what happened? How did your husband manage to do that? I mean, how did your husband manage to do this? And when she told them, they burst into laughter and they actually tilted the, the stretcher and he fell down the rest of the stairs and he broke his arm. So if you thought you were having a bad day, that's what a bad day is all about, right? So if you'll make room in your heart today, especially if you're going through something that's very difficult, then you're going to be surprised by the joy of God. It's possible to have comfort in the middle of mourning. The problem is that these beatitudes are actually countercultural. They go against human nature. And they're not just countercultural in the sexual, uh, I nearly said sexual, in the secular culture, but in the Christian culture. Even in the church, we can end up with a bad theology and wrong views about God. And it can actually disrupt our relationship with God. If you think that faith promises you no pain, then you're going to be disappointed with God. So let me give you three things that are an abiding principle around this topic. And then I'm going to give you three ways that you can make it through your worst day. The first thing is we think bad things shouldn't happen to good people. I've heard someone ask this. I've heard people ask, and some perhaps even here tonight might be asking of your own situation, God, haven't you obligated yourself for this never to happen in my life? It's a flawed theology, family. A lot of people have this kind of mindset that everything works out for him on earth, which is a wrong theology. It's good for us to expect that, right? But let's just take time for a moment and agree, yes, that God does intervene a lot. How many of you agree God intervenes in our lives a lot? But sometimes we might be a little bit spoiled even and think, God, you owe it to me. Because, Lord, I, I mean, I, I've been to church. I pray. I'm a, a faithful tither. I give. I serve. I read my Bible. This is not supposed to happen in my life. And the truth is, yes, we can admit God moves and we understand from Scripture that God moves powerfully on the earth. I mean, there's a whole chapter in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, that celebrates people who believe God and great things happened in their lives. It tells us how God moved mightily in people's lives. Seas were opened, 
dead people were raised back to life again. But sometimes we fail to read the rest of the chapter that says, and there were others, meaning that it didn't work out that way for them, who were tortured, they were persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them, the word says. They wandered in deserts and mountains. They lived in caves and in holes in the ground. I mean, it doesn't sound very pretty, does it? They were all commended for their faith. What's that saying? It's saying that they had faith too, yet none of them received what had been promised. Or we could say none of them received what they thought was promised to them on planet Earth. Since God had planned, listen, since God had planned something better. You see, we don't always see God that way, that he had something better. It's difficult for us to fathom that. For, for, uh, for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I heard someone say recently, God is not fair. But I want to tell you this, thank goodness God isn't fair. If he were fair, we'd have to pay for our sin ourselves. A lot of the comfort of God happens here on the earth. But a lot of the comfort of God happens in heaven too. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 18, these are probably the last words that Paul would ever speak. He says this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack, and he will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. He will rescue me. God can rescue you and bring you safely into his kingdom. And there's a maturity and a strength and a trust about Christians who understand this. It doesn't affect them like it does somebody else. They get to say, I wish you had my joy. And people say, I, I know, but I know what you're going through. And then we get to say, I wish you had my peace right now because I know that God is a faithful God. The second thing is, I think, uh, we think that pain always means that something is wrong. If there's pain, we automatically think, well, what did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? Why am I in this situation? It must be because I did something wrong. But look at what it says in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. It says, uh, 2, 2, 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you are faced or whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't see Christians walking around saying, yeah. Praise God together with me, brother. I'm going through one fantastic trial right now. That's not what we do, and I don't think that's what the Bible expects us to do. I don't think that's what it means when it says this. But mature believers know that in the midst of it, God is up to something. And they recognize that he didn't create the bad day, but he will use it for something. They have this ability to know that in the middle of this testing, God is doing something. He is developing. And God, the verse goes on to say, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Family of God, whether you like it or not, God is a developer. In fact, let me put it this way. He's more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. And if you don't get used to that, then you're never going to enjoy your Christian walk. Now, before you judge... You know, you're the same way. We don't go into the room or you don't go into your bedroom in the, uh, the morning and say, hey, honey, listen, it's time for school. Come on, get out of bed now. We need to get to school. I'm just letting you know. If you don't want to go, it's okay. Just thought I'd tell you. Bye. You don't do that. 
You're like rushing in, hey, you've got 10 minutes, get dressed. I don't want to hear your stories. We've got to go in 10 minutes right now. You're up and you're out, boy or girl. The point is, we do that. Why? Because we know what's good for them. We don't just give in to what it is that they desire. We'll enforce what we believe or make sure that what's good for them takes place, right? The scripture goes on and it says, perseverance must finish its work so that what? You may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. First Peter puts it this way. Chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire um, tests and purifies, purifies gold. Though your faith is more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much Praise. What's that saying? It's saying it will bring a fulfillment on the inside of me that's hard to describe. And glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed. When we're with the lost, in other words, and they're saying, I know what you're going through, but how are you okay in this? And you get to say, I wish you had my peace. I wish you had my joy. The scripture ends to say, to the whole world. The third reason, which is why I think that these beatitudes are counter-cultural, is because we think we know what's best. We want to tell God, God, you're doing it wrong. You need to do it this way around. Or maybe that is the person I want to marry. When you were in high school, perhaps there was someone that you were determined and set on getting married to. And you insisted almost, Lord, I, that is the one for me. He is the one for me. Just look at him. And then maybe you were recently at your 20 or 30 year reunion at school and you looked at that hymn. And you think to yourself, Lord, I'm so glad you didn't answer that prayer. Sometimes we think we know what's best. How many of you have ever experienced that where you thought, no, it must be this way, but only to find out later on it would not have been the right way for you? Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 9 says, the plan of mine, or God says, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. He's saying, the way that I do things is not the way that you would do things. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, mature people who go from mourning to comfort actually believe this. I think one of the worst things in life to deal with is someone that dies, someone who's close to you that dies, especially when they go before their time. When there are still things that they have to complete in the earth when there's still children that they're supposed to raise, and they go, that's a really, really difficult thing to go through. And I was at a funeral like that, where the person that we were burying went long before their time, and I heard this scripture for the first time, Isaiah 57.1. It says, good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand. Talking about God's ways being higher than ours. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. Still, it's a great thing to try and wrap your mind around, that we just have to trust God. 
Now, I can't even begin to explain this next verse, especially since it doesn't, even, it doesn't always feel like it, but it is true. It's Psalm 34, verses 18, and it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If you're experiencing a broken heart tonight, I want you to know that God is close. It's like there's another presence of God reserved for the brokenhearted. There's another experience for the Christian that you've not experienced before. But if you look for it, folks, if you look for it, I promise you it's there. In fact, I believe that God is trying to tell you something. He's trying to speak to you. While I was preparing this on Monday night, gone by, I can tell you Monday was, I haven't had a bad day like the Monday that just went by in a long, long time. I didn't want to look at messages and read the scripture and that sort of thing. But I had to because, hey, here I am. But here's the thing. While I battled through my preparation on Monday night, God brought a stillness to my heart. And he said something that I believe is also for at least one person here tonight, perhaps you at home. This is what God wants to tell you. In fact, I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to just put it on the screens and I'm going to let God speak to you. Come on, let's give him a praise. No matter what it is that you're dealing with, I believe that when you see God, you're going to be okay with what he tells you. You're going to say, God... You are always right. So how do we go from mourning to comfort? How do we do that? Well, with the right perspective of earth and who our God is. Allow God to give you the right perspective. So let me give you three practical steps that you can use whenever you're having your worst day. Three things that you can do, three steps that you can take. If, if I could call it a playbook, then I would do that. Let me give you a playbook that you can follow whenever you are having your worst day. And God will take you through it. But before I do that, before I share these three things with you, let's just look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says this, verses 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us, listen, in all of our troubles. Listen, folks, I may not go through whatever it is that you're going through. I may not have gone through ever in my life anything as severe as what you might be going through or what you have, are still trying to deal with. But I can promise you this, the person who wrote this definitely has been through. In fact, I don't think anybody here has been through what the Apostle Paul had to endure. And he says, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. That it's God's hope. Not that we live perfect lives. This is what I believe he's saying. Not that we live perfect lives and, and get to flaunt it to the world to say, I'm a Christian and you're not. Look how good I'm doing. That's not the point. No, 
but that we go through the same things that others go through, but it impacts us in a different way because we have God on our side. So Paul goes on and he says, so that we can comfort. So once we have been comforted, we can comfort. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds. Your comfort abounds through Christ. And then Paul goes on to qualify why he says that. In verse 8, we do not want you to be, he's talking to the church here, we do not, do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, he says, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Paul was at a point he didn't want to live anymore. He said, we despaired life itself. We didn't want to have life anymore. He might have been suicidal. I don't know. But it says, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Evidently, the apostle Paul had to learn not to rely on himself. But there were things that God wanted him to rely purely on God for. And he discovered that through these difficult times. He says, God who raises the dead, he, was, he has delivered us. Listen, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So here are the three things, and they all start with an R to make it easy for you to remember. The first one is we need to refocus on what's happening in me and not to me. I need to refocus on what's happening in me and not to me. You can write this down. If something is happening to me, God wants to do something in me. We have to get ourselves to the point where we refocus. And we, if something is happening to me, then God is doing something in me. 2 Corinthians 1.9, we've just read it. Paul says, but this happened. Why? That we might not rely on ourselves. You see, God was trying to do something in him, but on God who raises the dead. Family, if we don't learn to pray that prayer, if we don't learn to think about what God is trying to do in us, then we're gonna delay our answer because God is a developer. That's who he is. Because an answer is coming, but, uh, but we slow it down when we say, Lord, take it away. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want this. Take it from me. We just slow everything down. It's our choice, family. Our pain or my pain is either a jail that imprisons me or a school that shapes me. It's our choice. First one, refocus. Second one, when we're facing our worst day, remember, God always delivers. Say that, remember. God always delivers. Second Corinthians chapter 1.10, Paul said, He has delivered us from such deadly peril and He will deliver us. And on Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. He has he will, and He will continue. I want you to say that with me. Say, He has. He will, and He will continue. 
You know, family, the best predictor of God's present help is His past faithfulness. Second R, we have to remember. We know what the end of the book says, right? How many of you have ever watched a series and it's a cliffhanger series like a, a, a prison break or something like that and, and at the end of each episode, we don't know. Is the guy gonna make it? Is he gonna escape? Is he gonna die? We don't know. All we have to do is look at the DVD box. There's another DVD. Means he's gonna make it, right? There's another DVD. Invariably, there's another series. He's really gonna make it. And so I went on to the end of the book and I just paged back one or two pages and this is what I saw. Revelation 21 verses three and four. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen, and he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more funerals. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning which is the topic we're talking about tonight, isn't it? You can praise the Lord if you want to, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things, the old way, the hurting way has passed away. Praise God. So that's the second one. Remember, He will deliver. Refocus, remember, and the third R is rely on solid relationships. For whatever you do, don't go through it alone. Paul said this, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 1.11, he says, after he says that he'll continue to, del- to deliver us, he says, as you help us by your prayers. Who's the you that he was referring to? The church. Even Paul acknowledged and recognized that he would not have made it through if it was not for the support of his fellow Christians, his brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Rely on solid relationships. Paul realized that. He was always writing letters, always encouraging the church, always being connected with the church. And so tonight, I want to close by not just drinking this water. But I want to say to you folks, That's why Christian Family Church is here. We're not just here for us to come to a service on Sunday and get to know God, yes. But we're here as the body was there for Paul. We're here for you. We talk about the Church Center app. How many of you have heard about the Church Center app, right? We use it for our check-ins and we so appreciate that you do that. But I want to encourage you, if you don't have the Church Center app, download the app. There's more to it than just the check-in on that app. In fact, we have things on that app right now. If you go into the Church Center app and you go down to events, there are some categories you can go through. Uh, you know, you can select the category. But in our, in our fellowship groups, in our, in our small groups, we have multiple curriculums running in a group environment to make it comfortable for you. And if there are people here tonight who are watching and you're going through a period of mourning for whatever reason it may be, We have things available right now that will help you. I heard Apostle Theo say while he was here, the thing that hurts the church the most, the number one reason the church gets hurt is because of ignorance. Don't be ignorant, family. Know that we are here 
for you. We want to disciple you. We have, uh, if I go onto the church center app and I go to events, we have something running called, in a group called Biblical Principles of Marriage. If you're going through a difficult time, if this feels like a time of mourning for you because of something that's you know, not right in your marriage, we have biblical principles of marriage. You can just tap on it and then you can register and we'll be in contact with you and we'll set you up and get you on this curriculum. It's awesome. It's, light. it's marriage changing. We have a, a, a grief share. That's something else. It's a curriculum designed for if you're going through a period of grief, Listen, not recent grief. I know people that are still battling with grief from years ago. If you're not able to overcome that, we have this available for you to see you through this, to walk together with you so that you have a solid relationship. When was the last time you got an SMS or a WhatsApp from somebody, a friend, to say, hey, brother or sister, I just was thinking about you on my heart this morning, so I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you. When last did you get something like that? When last did you send something like that? Solid relationships. What about Project Exodus? That's another one that I see here on the church center. Project Exodus, if you're battling with addiction, gee, that could be very depressing. And I could quite easily connect mourning with trying to get out of an addiction. We have a grief share. You can just go and, and let us know about you. It's so simple. Just follow the prompts. We want to walk this road together with you. It's our mandate as the body of Christ to do this together with you. The solid relationship. Emotional restoration is another one that I can think of that we have available. There's a whole bunch of other things as well. You can just go on there, but I want to encourage you. We have this tool. (laughs) We have this tool to help you through this walk. We want to be there for you. We want to disciple you. And allow you also to be able to say, I wish you had my joy. I wish you had my peace. And your family and the world look at you and they say, I know what you've been through. I know what you've experienced. I know what you're going through. How are you able to say that? You say, because my God is faithful. He loves me. Amen. Praise God. You can be happy even in your most difficult situation. That's God's promise to you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for every single person here tonight. I thank you, Father, that you've spoken to their hearts. And if there be anybody here tonight, Lord, that is battling with mourning and they can't break free, I just pray for freedom right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that that cloak of heaviness is removed from them in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that freedom comes. I thank you, Lord, that that there are people here that need to get onto these curriculums, that need to reach out to us, Father, that they will do that. And we'll be there for them, Father. Thank you for putting your body together. Thank you that we have a love that is not generated by human ability, but, Father, it is your love that you've placed inside the church to care for those that you've entrusted to Christian family church. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to ask if there's anybody here tonight that has never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Tonight is your night. Tonight is the night that you get to build a solid relationship with Jesus. If you're sitting here tonight and and you're not sure of where you're going to spend eternity, 
You've heard me say, I wish you had my joy. I wish you had my peace. And you think to yourself, I also want that. Let me introduce you to Jesus tonight. He died for you. He took all your punishment for you. And if you're not sure of where you're gonna spend eternity, then folks, tonight is your night. And I'm gonna ask at the count of three that you raise your hand. If you wanna receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you wanna have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you wanna be sure of your eternal salvation, or if you wanna come back to God, at the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, right now. Thank you. Thank you for raising your hand. Thank you for taking that bold step. Thank you for that hand. Folks, don't leave here tonight not sure of your salvation. That is not something you want to gamble with. I'm gonna make one last appeal. If you wanna receive Jesus, give your heart to Him. Make Him the Lord of your life. Have a peace that transcends all understanding. You can raise your hand right now. Someone's gonna come across to you, put their hand on your shoulder. We're gonna pray together with you. It's a simple prayer. But I want you to think about the words that you're saying for those of you at home as well. You just have to repeat this prayer after me. Your life is about to change forever. I'm gonna ask for the benefit of those that raised their hand. If everybody could pray this prayer together, especially if you raised your hand, I want you to say this, say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my punishment so that I can go free. Tonight, I invite you into my heart. I surrender to you. I acknowledge that you're the Son of God and that you are risen from the dead. Thank you for saving me tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.